1: This is 105.9 The Region. I'm Tina Cortez with On The Market, York Region's exclusive radio real estate show. Our expert from REMAX Prime Properties is Asif Khan. Good morning, Asif. Good morning, Tina. We start today with the new plan to protect buyers, the cooling off period. Asif?
2: That's right, Tina. And joining us to explain is the CEO of the Ontario Real Estate Association, Tim Hudak. Tim, welcome back to On The Market.
3: Also, Thanks for being back on the show and congrats on all your continuing success in, in business and being a trusted uh, advisor in real estate on the radio show.
2: Thank you so much and, and lots going on with the Ontario Real Estate Association with TRESA and the big news coming out uh, recently was the cooling off period for buyers. Take us through what the provincial government's announcement means for buyers.
3: Yeah, you bet. So uh, just this past week, the province of Ontario announced they're going to begin consultations on putting a cooling-off period for purchases of freehold new homes and a requirement for legal advice. So there are concepts they put out there. They're going to listen to, you know, groups like uh, ARIA. Um, maybe they'll listen to the of Khan show as well. Who knows? I bet they should. And then the government will make a decision. Basically, uh, what the government's concern is, is that when uh, a new home buyer sits across the table from a uh, major builder developer, it's an uneven playing field. That developer has their contracts, they've got a team of uh, lawyers, there can be uh, pressure uh, tactics, uh, and uh, a home buyer may not look through all of those details and sign onto an agreement that is not in their interests. This kind of cooling off period exists when you're buying a pre-construction condo, so the government is saying, why not if it's a, a new home through a developer?
1: And how long is the cooling off period, Tim? Well, that will be determined in the
3: consultations. A suggestion uh, could be ten days; it could be shorter than that. The reason why ten days is a suggestion is that's because what exists for condo purchases and similar. You know, when you're when you're buying a pre-construction condo, it's typically from a large company, and you might be an individual buying your first home, and it's it's not a level playing field. So that would give somebody a chance to consult their lawyer uh, to change their mind, and it wouldn't really impact the developer because it's not been built yet, or they have lots of buyers, uh, and that's why this is a, a unique approach for new builds uh, purchased through a large developer like condos or freehold now, uh, as opposed to uh, buying a resale home.
2: And Tim, with the the new builds. It's not uncommon to see lineups overnight. It's not uncommon to see wristband policies where people run in and they're making these decisions within a few minutes to purchase these properties and put their deposits down. Do you think that the builders will maybe force people to waive this cooling off period as it has been rumored with new condos?
3: Well, that shouldn't, that shouldn't be allowed if they construct the legislation appropriately. You know, I, I'm trying to think back off. I think I was actually the minister when I was in government, uh, consumer minister that brought in the cooling off period for condos. And uh, we, we did that um, because the scenario you just described, you have a lineup of people they are really desperate to get a home, and I, I can't blame them, but they're not really, you know, facing um, uh, uh, an equal across the table. And they could be taken advantage of. And that's why, you know, I brought in the cooling off period for condos. And it it makes sense when you're buying a new freehold home for a large developer. It's pretty much the same thing as a condo. So I I believe that makes sense. And, you know, our suggestion certainly for real would be that that's ironclad. That that can't be something that you could be pressured to weasel out of.
1: And apologies if I'm missing something here. But why does this apply only to new builds and not resales?
3: Because it's the uh, the unlevel playing field that exists between a, a major developer who's got a team of uh, of lawyers and accountants and the, the young couple expecting a baby across the table that has none of that. Mm-hmm. So it's a pretty typical consumer protection measure that exists in high-pressure situations like for condos, like for door-to-door salesmen, you know, selling you a water heater. It's a pretty typical approach because it's, number one, high pressure, and secondly, It's not a level playing field when it comes to information uh, and resources. When it comes to resale homes, Tina, it's kind of on the other foot. You know, you'd have the seller, maybe a a widow who needs to sell the home um, after her husband passes or a young couple looking to sell the home to move up because the kids have come along. They could be across the table from a, you know, very wealthy speculator uh, who could, you know, make an offer way above everybody else's And then during the cooling off period, come back to the widow and say, hey, I'm going to back out of this deal unless you drop your price by 50 grand Mm. or you agree to these conditions. And then she's kind of on the hook, right? So when it comes to resale, that power imbalance actually works in the opposite direction and it could make sellers, individual average Canadian sellers, at a disadvantage to a well-moneyed developer uh,
1: or speculator. Well, that makes sense.
2: And, and I was going to ask that next was with BC playing with that or trying out that cooling off period for three days, do you see that this would extrapolate into a cooling off period for residential because now there's no protection for the seller?
3: Yeah, exactly. And it, a cooling off period could easily be taken advantage of uh, when it comes to uh, a resale home. Because look, again, I've another example that our our members talk about or watching to see if this is happening in BC. Let's say a speculator puts an offer on five different homes and they, you know, outbid everybody else. So they've got these five homes and then they go back to each of those homeowners one by one and put pressure on and say, Hey, I'm going to drop out of this deal unless you come down a price and they pit those five sellers uh, against each other. And meanwhile, you know, the buyers have gone off somewhere else. And you could be, you know, out of, uh, out of luck because you're home will get on the market later, uh, or you could be pressured into really lowering your price. So we're watching closely what happens in British Columbia. It'll give the, pro- the chance for other provinces to see if this works or not. But the bottom line for me, it makes sense when it comes to new builds that you're buying from a big developer. And by the way, the Home Builders Association agrees with this policy uh, and versus, you know, causing sellers to have a further disadvantage and number two, Asif, the bottom line is if we really want to help take that pressure off, give people time, you've got to have that realtor at your side. You don't want to gamble when it comes to the biggest expenditure of your life. You want that real estate professional. And number two, we just need to build more supply. That's really the bottom line here. If we want to have the best measure to ensure that housing affordability stays within reach, you've got to get building more homes that people can actually afford.
1: Well, that's a perfect segue. I wanted to ask you, do you think this cooling off period will have an impact on the lack of housing supply?
3: You know, it it may, um, so, so I'm going to say no when it comes to new, Uh, I think that, uh, as I said, the builders association has uh, supported this. Uh, They, just like, uh, you know, real estate uh, uh, brokers want to make sure we raise the bar when it comes to consumer protection. So they, they like this measure. They might argue about if as 10 days or five or whatever. They like, they like this measure. Um, but I think it could actually put a chill if you put it on resale homes. Uh, I think, you know, my, my mom, for example, if she were selling the family home and there is a cooling off period where somebody could uh, back out and leave her stranded or put pressure on her once a contract is signed uh, on threat of cancellation, Yeah, she might just say, you know, it's another bit of fuss here. I'm not going to bother putting the house on the market
2: in the first place. And Tim, with the the situation with building enough houses, do you see that improving over the next little while? Because we haven't seen that influx of supply or influx of inventory that we've been waiting for, and it seems that we're falling behind on the government's promise to build the 1.5 million homes over 10 years.
3: Yeah, uh, uh, so that, that's fair. We're not at the pace that we want to be, but I remain optimistic, and we have seen some very positive moves in the right direction. Uh, the government has brought in, the Ford government, four different pieces of legislation, all focused on getting more homes built at, at prices people can actually afford, speeding up the approval process, reducing red tape that drives the price up and delays projects, lowering development charges, targeted affordable homes, setting aside government land that's not being used to build homes for first time buyers. Like these are all good policies and they should stay on that course. Yep, there's no doubt with higher interest rates, that has meant that some builders are reconsidering projects. But I hope we'll get through that soon to some interest rate stability and get that going. The evidence the evidence though is that it has worked. You know, we, we used to build more homes in the nineteen seventies than we did in the two thousands. But 2022 and 2021 asset were the biggest increase in new housing starts that we've seen in 30 years. So we have started to turn the corner and it's got to keep their pedal to the metal, so to speak.
1: And your organization, the Ontario Real Estate Association, has led the charge in terms of the Trust in Real Estate Services Act. What is that and how does it benefit consumers?
3: So, Tina, that is the new legislation that uh, Ontario Realtors through the Ontario Real Estate Association work with the government to to do. We we really have two big goals when we, you know, come into the office uh, every day. Number one, you know, increase uh, housing supply so that we can get more Canadian homeowners at prices people can afford. And number two, raise the bar when it comes to consumer protection. We want to make sure that Realtor at your side as the the best trained, uh, highest professional standards and a disciplinary system to back that up anywhere in North America. So legislation mentioned, Tina, that that is the path to success to make sure we're North American leaders when it comes to professionalism and ethics in real estate.
2: And we certainly welcome the uh, tougher fines for realtors for stepping outside of the box. And uh, we're looking forward to when Tressa kicks in because it certainly does offer more transparency and more options for buyers and sellers within that home buying and selling process. Tim, thank you so much for being on. And if people want to read more about Tressa or more about the cooling off period, where can they find that?
3: Yeah, Asif, thank you again for having me on. So if you want more information on what I talked about today, getting more homes built, more homeowners, and high consumer protection standards, including the value of a cooling off period when you're up against a big developer to make sure you made the right call, you can get that information at OREA.com, O-R-E-A, OREA.com.
2: Tim, always a pleasure to have you on. Thank you so much for uh, joining us.
3: Pleasure to be back. Thanks, Asif and Tina. You guys have a great weekend now.
1: You too, Tim. After the break, what could be next from the Bank of Canada? This is On the Market on 1059 The Region. Stay with us.
0: Need to connect with Asif Khan from Remax Prime Properties? Call him 416 985 Khan. That's 416 985 5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca. Now back to On the Market on 1059 The Region.
1: Welcome back to On the Market, York Region's radio real estate show. Over to my co-host and our real estate expert, Asif Khan from REMAX Prime Properties with today's guest, Asif.
2: Thank you, Tina. Joining us is Ron Butler of Butler Mortgages. Ron, welcome to On the Market.
4: Great to be here. Thank you for having me.
2: Ron, uh, there's, there's no secret that there's, you know, in a few days we're going to hear from the Bank of Canada. Tell us a little bit about what you're anticipating for the April 12th decision. There will be no increase. Interesting. (laughs) Good news. (laughs) (laughs) That's great news. And, you know, consumer confidence is already at a high after the last announcement. What do you think is going to play out in the market, uh, you know, after April 12th?
4: Well, the bottom line is, even though there's no increases, there's no decreases. So there will be some reductions, gradual reductions in fixed rates. Two, three, four or five year fixed rates will come down, but there'll be no reduction in HELOC rates, and there'll be no reduction in variable rates. So for the people who have those rates, it's still going to be a a tough slog.
1: Ron, I'm going to ask you two questions here. First one, what is your Twitter handle? And the second one is you've made some comments on Twitter about all levels of government needing to step up in regards to affordable housing. What do you mean, and, and what do you expect from them?
4: Well, on Twitter, I'm Ron Mortgage Guy. I'm relatively easy to find. Uh, And when I talk about the difference between affordability and how that really works uh, in the marketplace, there's a lot of talk about affordability. They use the word, every level of government uses the word affordability. It doesn't matter whether it's municipal, provincial, or federal. We hear affordability day in and day out. But there's no such thing as affordability unless prices come down. And no government ever talks about prices coming down. They just never do.
2: And that ties in with supply because we've heard uh, even prior to the last election that there's going to be an increase in supply. There's going to be 150,000 homes built per year. And and we're not even scratching the surface on that assumption or, or presumption. But uh, with immigration increasing, even the properties that we have are in low supply. How do you associate this housing crisis, if you want to call it, with what's happening in terms of affordability?
4: Well, it is a supply issue. There's a bunch of demand issues. We had 12 years of ridiculously low interest rates, which encouraged the growth of prices in the marketplace. But it's turning into a true supply issue. We brought in a million people in 2022, and it's a cold country, by and large, in the winter and you need a place to to sleep that's warm. Uh, So we need places for people. And we have been doing this horrendous job of developing new supply in the housing market, particularly developing the supply that people might want. There is a relative increase in in the number of 485-square-foot condominiums, but most people are not interested in living in those places. So we have to find a way to increase supply and so far, the government's all levels, again, doesn't matter who it is or what party, all governments have failed at this endeavor.
2: And Ron, a lot of people are attributing what's happening in the U.S. to what we should expect in Canada. With the bank failure out in Silicon Valley, how do you uh, you know, relate that to what's happening in Canada? And are we going to be tied into what happens there?
4: We have absolutely no similarity between the United States and our banking system. There's no relationship to bank failures. There's not going to be any bank failures in Canada. Uh, that's not a concern here. What is a concern is what the US Federal Reserve does in terms of raising their own rates. And one of the problems with the banking even crisis, even if it's a mini crisis, is that it puts pressure on the Federal Reserve not to increase as much. So in in some ways, even though it sounds crazy, this uh, small banking crisis in the U.S. is good news for Canadians.
1: Now, Ron, you've been a mortgage broker for quite some time. Have you ever seen anything like the current state of the housing and real estate market?
4: No, this is a degree of volatility and uncertainty that we really haven't seen. You could go back to 2008, and there certainly was a crisis in the U.S. mortgage market that uh, sort of lapped over into Canada to a certain extent. But it was quickly resolved in Canada, and you know by the end of 2009, everything was completely back to normal. Uh, we may not see too much normalcy in our marketplace uh, maybe for another full year, uh, it's a it's chance that it could be very much volatile for the rest of the next 12 months.
2: And speaking of normalcy, in terms of rates, we've seen these rates before. It's almost like it's not the new normal for us to be four and a half, five 5% interest rates. It's the old normal. How are you explaining to your clients that this is where it's going to be for a long, long time, and we're never going to see those COVID rates, if you want to call them, again?
4: yeah we may certainly I won't see them i'm you know i'm sixty five I don't even buy unripe fruit, uh, but the uh but you know, I will never see them, uh, so i I can't say they will never see them again for eternity. But yes, those very, very low rates are not coming back anytime soon, not for a long time. It's important to understand, though, that these kind of five percent rates are not easy to maintain in our environment because back when we had five or six or seven percent rates you could buy a bungalow in Scarborough for $169,000. So, it it's just not reasonable to think that with the kind of house prices we have today, that on a long-term basis, 5% as an interest rate is gonna be something that would work out for most Canadians.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and what kind of advice then are you giving your clients these days?
4: Well, in the short term, we believe fixed rates will fall, or that we will see a drop in fixed rates over the spring and the summer. Again, not back to the super low COVID rates of, you know, 1.59 five-year fixed. We're not going to see that again. not going to see 2.99 five-year fixed. We're not going to see 0.99 variable. We're not going to see any of those kind of rates. But we should get down to rates that are in the low to mid fours by uh, some, some point in the summer.
2: And we've seen a return of the multiple offer uh, over the last little while, and, and basically because it's a supply issue in terms of what's available in terms of inventory. But how are you advising your clients that are going into? We, we've seen a lot of, if you want to call it, controlled optimism where they are still bidding, but we're not seeing those two three $300,000 overbids. We might see at asking or $50,000 over asking with conditions, sometimes without conditions. Is that what you're sensing from your clients and how are you advising them to approach these offer dates?
4: When there is an incredible lack of inventory in desirable areas, there's going to be some price movement, upward price movement. It's just, we we haven't seen this kind of lack of inventory for probably decades. So yes, there is upward pressure in some pockets and some regions and some neighborhoods, but the mortgage math holds anyone back from being ultra aggressive. Don't get me wrong. People in a good cash position could do pretty much whatever they want. But in terms of people who need mortgages, these kind of rates hold people back from being pointlessly exuberant. It's just, it's just too much of a risk. So yeah, there's going to be some upward price movement, but If inventory opens up, we could see that price movement quiet down a bit. I just don't know if inventory is going to open
2: up in the near future. Yeah, we haven't seen the catalyst that has forced people to sell. Do you see that coming soon? Are there people that are going to be refinancing after three years or after five years that are going to be in such a cash crunch that they are forced to sell?
4: It's, it, there are some forced sales going on right now. It's sort of on a very limited and specific basis. as people who had private mortgages or alternative mortgages. There's definitely pressure on those people. I think the next thing to watch for is, will there be an actual recession in Canada? Will there be a hard landing, a true recession with unemployment? Because unemployment creates housing opportunities. That's what really causes people to have to sell houses. Interest rates have a definite effect, but nothing has as big effect as unemployment. Unemployment is the key. If we see unemployment, there will be more inventory and there will be some reduction in prices. But we may not see it. The recession is not a certainty. We have to sit back and watch.
2: Great information, Ron, and certainly some food for thought for our listeners. If our listeners want to connect with you directly, how can they find you?
4: Just Google Butler Mortgage. We're really easy to find. No trouble at all.
2: Awesome. Thank you so much for your time. look forward to having you on again. Thanks again. Take care.
1: When we come back, your questions. This is On the Market on 105.9 The Region. Stay with us.
0: Need to connect with Asif Khan from Remax Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca. Now, back to On the Market on 105.9 The Region.
1: Welcome back to On the Market. Time now for questions from our listeners. And we begin with Brooke in Richmond Hill He listened to the show last week about the dispute between the landlord and the tenant, and it was a doozy. He wants to know if you think the risks are too great in the current climate for a small landlord with an investment property. Asif, what do you think?
2: Well, Brooke, there's always risks involved when you're a landlord or even when you're a tenant because from a tenant's perspective, the landlord could sell the property. They could decide they have relatives moving in, and these are all reasons how they can Actually, ask you uh, ask you to leave the premises, and so there's risks involved from both parties. From a, a landlord's perspective, there's a lot of due diligence that you can do beforehand to make sure that you're protecting yourself in the best possible way. And although it's not a hundred percent foolproof, at least you have peace of mind that you're going into it with uh, you know all of the information that you can get, and your your pretty confident that you're selecting the right tenant. you know. And how do you do that? It's uh, If you hire a realtor, the realtor's going to check their credit. They're going to call references. They're going to call their place of employment. They're going to verify pay stubs. There's a lot that you can do to ensure that you're entering into this relationship on the right foot.
1: Now, joining us on the show last week was Stonegate Legal Services. And Bita suggested making sure that you're involved as well. What exactly does that mean? If you have these experts around you, what does the landlord need to do, to do to be involved?
2: Well, we recommend to all of our landlords that we manage properties for is have an in-person meeting with the potential tenant prior to signing anything. And that gives you a better read, a better feel on who you're letting into your premises. Remember, this is your place and someone is going to be staying there and paying you rent while they stay there. But it's still your place. So you want to be actively involved. You want to have a relationship with that tenant and have open communication so that if there is a problem, you can figure out a solution before it gets too big.
1: Do you think enlisting the advice of a lawyer is also required? It's always great to enlist
2: the the advice of a paralegal or a lawyer and, and be able to have all of the information that they provide available when you're leasing something out. But uh, a lot of the clauses, the Ontario Real Estate Association has agreements that are all vetted by lawyers. So it's not imperative, but it could help if you wanted to go that route.
1: Our next question is from Mena in Thornhill. She wants to know if she should consider selling her home this spring Or are buyers looking for bargains and, you know, no one wants to give away the biggest investment of their lives? Asif, what's your your take on this one?
2: Well, buyers are always looking for bargains, (laughs) but uh, there's no bargains to be had right now. We don't have any inventory, so this is a perfect time for you to get on the market. You want to get on the market when there's less inventory because there's less competition. And when there's more competition... The deciding factor is pretty much price because a lot of the homes are very similar in subdivisions. There might be five, six, seven, eight different models. So if you have three of the same model on sale, the differentiating factor is going to come down to price. But if there's not a lot of inventory, this is when you want to hit the market because you want to capitalize on that and have all the eyeballs on your place.
1: And how do you know your home is priced right?
2: You have to, you know, trust your realtor to do the homework. And, mm-hmm. and it's not going back a year or two years or, or even right now six months to get market pricing. Market pricing right now, go back about six to eight weeks and see what's selling because it certainly has changed drastically just over the last few weeks.
1: And here we are in early April. Is there still time to prep the home to sell? And I know you love this word, declutter. Declutter. There is. I, I mean, we're in we're Easter weekend
2: right now, and a lot of people will take this weekend to declutter their homes, to paint their homes, to get it ready, because next week we're going to see a flood of inventory. And, and by a flood of inventory, I don't mean there's going to be thousands of homes sitting in the market, but there might be two or three in your area that are going to hit the market. And this is the time that they do that. They, they used the March break to fix their homes up, and now they're using Easter break to fix their homes up, and they're going to be on the market shortly.
1: So decluttering, maybe a fresh coat of paint, maybe even some yard work?
2: Yeah, yard work right now would be great. I mean, the, the, hopefully we're not going to see any more snow and <laughs> uh, your yard's going to start looking a, a lot better in the next few weeks. But this is when you want to clean it all up from the rough winter and just showcase it because that is the first impression. Curb Appeal is the first impression that people will have of your home and, and you want to make sure that it's set up properly.
1: As a reminder, if you have questions for On the Market, hit send anytime to info at 1059theregion.com. But Asif, if our listeners prefer to contact you directly, and they often do, how can they do that?
2: They can always reach me at 416-985-CON. That's 416-985-5426.
1: If you missed any part of our show, go to 1059theregion.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Audible. I'm Tina Cortez. Thank you for listening.
0: Need to connect with Asif Khan from Remax Prime Properties? Call him 416 985 Khan. That's 416 985 5426. Or email Awesome at thehomeshop.ca.